be more like Philly? Well, that's not exactly a message that's going to resonate around here, but it might apply. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. I can't help but to look at the Eagles as the favorite to win the Super Bowl out of the remaining four teams. I don't do that because necessarily how they performed so far, though they certainly did dismantle the Giants in a raging hurry and convincingly so. But rather, I look at them as having the one thing that's the least likely to go into a slump at the worst possible time. And that is, of course, always and forever, the trenches. The Eagles dominate at the line. The Eagles have been dominating at the line for a lot of years. And the Steelers are very fortunate, I feel, to have one of the architects of that roster in Andy Weidel here in Pittsburgh working for them now and applying, ideally, a similar philosophy. Now, I've shared with you before, I don't know the extent to which Weidel is going to be influential in the draft or free agency or anything else. He is known to be a personnel guy, and he was known to have been hired to work with Omar Khan in large part to compensate for, and this is a subject Omar doesn't like, but so be it, for Omar being a cap guy. You guys remember when I asked Omar about being the cap guy at his introductory press conference and the 75 shades of purple that he turned and scowling at me? Well, the question was fair because the question was about the perception that Omar is a cap guy. Omar doesn't have to be a cap guy. Omar has spent a ton of time on football fields, on sandlots, everywhere, seeing football talent get developed at all levels. I don't know what it takes to receive a badge or you know, some kind of a special designation or a stripe on your shoulder that says that you're a scout, but Omar's seen a lot of football. And I happen to find it admirable that as a GM, he would want to be versed in all facets of football, not just the cap. Great. Wonderful. However, Weidel was brought here for a reason. Weidel was a finalist for the job, same job, for a reason. And everything I've learned about Weidel since, and I've gotten to know more than you might expect for someone who's been kind of in the background. He was a significant part of what's happening in Philadelphia, and that shouldn't get ignored. That shouldn't get thrown off to the side because you have a cap guy who wants to be a complete GM. You follow me here? There's egos that have to get set aside. This is something that Mike Tomlin talks about a lot, about putting guys in a room and Uh, Being able to listen to anyone, regardless of their experience or stature, of course, some voices count more than others, but you still listen. There are still ideas to be shared, and if it's a good working environment, those ideas will 
be heated. You know, you'll pay attention. It doesn't mean they'll all be good. But if I've got the guy in the room who built the Eagles and he did so from the trenches and my own roster is sorely lacking in that area, I'm telling you what, I'm finding him the most comfortable seat at the table. I want to hear what he has to say. I want to hear what went through the Eagles' thought processes when they swooped in and outbid what had been seen as an aggressive bid of their own from the Steelers to keep Javon Hargrave. The Eagles knew they wanted Hargrave. They felt they needed Hargrave. It's not that anyone in Pittsburgh would have been surprised that Hargrave's gone on to be what he's become. He's a really, really, really good football player in a lot of different ways. They knew this. The Steelers knew this. The players knew it. The coaches knew it. Everyone knew it. That's why even though they were up against the cap, they apparently put forth what Javon himself has described as a competitive offer. The Eagles just went further. Why? What did they know? What did they prioritize? I can look at the current offensive and defensive lines, and we've done this on the show, and say, hey, you like this guy, you don't like this guy, you've got this guy that's got some potential, especially on the O-line, which we've talked about way more than the other side. But there isn't enough, and there definitely isn't enough when it comes to younger players with pedigree. We can get interested in a DeMarvin Leal, but I don't know that anyone's looking at him and saying, hey, here's the next Cam Hayward. You know what I'm saying? I think you can get interested in someone like a Kevin Dotson or Dan Moore on the other side of the football and say, you know, they can eventually solidify themselves on the left side. Maybe yes, maybe no. But no one's looking over there and saying, there's the next David DeCastro or Marquise Pouncey. Why? Because those guys, with all due respect to anybody who gets drafted later than the first round or doesn't get drafted at all, those guys come with established, known pedigree. And this is why I feel, in addition to hoping that the Steelers break the bank at other positions, like inside linebacker, like corner, through free agency, that they focus their draft on the trenches. The trenches take time, not just not just to teach everyone how to compete in the NFL, but also to find out if they've got it. You can think you know. You can hope you know after getting to uh, meet with them and see their college games and talk to their college coaches and buddies and everybody else. But until you put them out there in Cincinnati, in Cleveland, in Baltimore, you don't know. You don't know. And it does take time. And the Steelers, with the current overall roster makeup, especially on that side of the ball, don't have a lot of time. You want to win while you have Cam and TJ and Minka. So, again, you have someone in the room who's done this, who's been there, knows what's going on, how it happened, why it happened. Use him. Use him. When we come back, J1Q.
comes from Mark who asks, Will Tremaine Edmonds' deal actually exceed the deal that Roquan Smith just got from the Ravens? For anybody who doesn't know, I'm sure you do, Mark. Roquan, who, by the way, is his own agent, which is pretty cool, signed a five-year extension this month with the Ravens that's worth $100 million, including 45 of that fully guaranteed. That's, that's, that's doing well, you know? If you're your own agent, you know, that's, that's all right. Because guess what? He's not paying anybody 10%. <laughs> Roquan got paid. And Tremaine will get paid too. Tremaine's not going to get an average annual value of $20 million. He's not that guy. And if I'm being honest here, for as excited as I am about the possibility that he could come to Pittsburgh, he didn't exactly knock anybody's block off in the snow game just now against the Bengals. He wasn't very good. Now, whether or not it's because he couldn't handle the traction, he just wasn't effective in that environment, whatever. Um, you're not going to play that many games in the snow. But I don't know that he had the kind of showing that would have sent his price higher. Let's put it that way. In fact, he didn't. Whereas Roquan down the stretch was just, wow, just amazing. Actually, he was amazing against everybody except Pittsburgh. At least in that second and final meeting, he was dominant in the first. I don't think you're going to see that kind of price tag. I don't think it's going to require something like that, even if there's a bidding war, which is unlikely. One thing to remember here about inside or middle linebackers, regardless of the scheme, they're not often seen as some crazy hot commodity in the game anymore. We are well past the era of the Hardy Nickerson, LeVon Kirkland type of uh, inside or middle linebackers where the defenses were set up to funnel tackles in their direction, and all they had to do was kind of complete the play. Nickerson was the master of this, by the way, everywhere he went, including after his time in Pittsburgh. The guy could only do one thing, but he did it really, really well. Levon was more in the mold of a the modern inside linebacker, but even then, even then, the position has changed so much. You're looking for a different type of dynamism, and the Steelers, to their credit, were actually ahead of that curve, of course, in drafting Ryan Shazier out of Ohio State, and everybody wondering if they were out of their minds because he showed up with the build of a safety and <laughs> moved with the athleticism of a safety. So I do think, no, I know Tremaine's going to get paid, but I don't think it's going to be something that would either break the bank like Roquan or, and remember this, throw off the internal scale that the Steelers have, meaning the amount that's being paid to, well, TJ and Minka. He's going to get more than a normal free agent would because he's 24 years old, so teams are going to feel a lot more confident that they're going to get his best years out of him as opposed to paying him for years in which he's not going to be all that productive later on. But $20 million, no, no. And the Steelers need to be in on this. Now, that doesn't mean they need to be in on it to a, a stupid extreme, but they need to be in on this because they absolutely, unequivocally can handle that price tag that Tremaine's going to come with. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers, maybe more today 
than any other day. I'd been bugging you guys for a couple of days now about subscribing to our YouTube channel, which is free. It's just asking you to hit a button. And man, a thousand of them in in 48 hours? Are you people nuts? I'm like, I wasn't expecting anything close to that. But it really blew through that. We are now at 20,100 and we're heading toward the next 20,000. Uh, thanks so much to you. I, I know sometimes when you hear stuff like this from anyone who's uh, doing broadcasting of any kind, it, it can sound hokey and contrived. You got to trust me. This isn't. Uh, this show is about you. All three of the daily shots are about you and how you've responded to them. And it is genuinely from the heart appreciated. Let's do it again tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.